Welcome back, guys, to Kieran's Corner and a very, very special guest on today's episode of Your Team, You'll Say. We're talking about the LA Rams with Jake Ellen Bogan. How are you doing, my friend? I am great. Really appreciate having me on. Uh, you know, it's a real pleasure and I can't wait to dive into it. And pleasure I get to talk Rams football now that they are significantly better than they were last season with the owner of Downtown Rams. Yeah, you know, they, they really uh, they're a lot better this year than they were last year. But I think they were very good last year. And crazy enough, if things worked out the way uh, they needed to, um, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised that they ended up winning the Super Bowl last year. They weren't quite the team that I would have pegged and they weren't better than the 2018 Super Bowl team. But, you know, they uh, they came pretty close, actually, you know, against the Packers. If they had I mean, we're seeing it now, if they had Cooper Cup, then that probably would have helped. And uh you know, Aaron Donald got hurt. So, you know, against the Packers when they were going toe to toe and nine figure quarterback Jared Goff in the frozen tundra, you know, is putting up a game and giving him an opportunity and just, you know, the wheels obviously fell off the wagon there. But you could definitely imagine if those two guys are in there, that's a completely different game. And then you go and you play Tampa and well, we've seen what happened. The Rams last, you know, seven out of eight times this organization has beaten the Tampa Bay organization. So you'd have to feel pretty good about that one. So where we always start uh, on Kieran's Corner, we talk about last offseason. And that must have been really exciting for you guys with probably probably the biggest acquisition you've had from a trade in a while with, with Matt Stafford. So how, how did you feel when you saw that news come through? Oh, man. So the funny thing is I have an actual story here. I wasn't just, you know, sitting at my kitchen table and I saw it on my phone. I was doing a live stream. Um, which really worked out, you can imagine. So I'm doing my live show on YouTube and uh, my buddy Blaine, who is the managing editor of downtownrams.com, he was on to cover the Senior Bowl. So this is all about the Senior Bowl. We're, we're talking about, you know, Kellen Mond and Demetric Felton. And all of a sudden, this thing comes up and it's uh, like someone like in the chat said, uh, Rams got Matthew Stafford. And I had to, really quickly, you know, not close the window. Cause I obviously have to host the live show. I'm not going to ditch the live stream, but I moved the window out of the way on my screen. I'm in my studio and I'm watching and I start, I'm like, you know, frantically typing with him, Matthew Stafford Rams go on Twitter. And sure enough to like Rams have acquired Matt. So I was like, all right. And then I was like, Blaine, you're going to have to talk about this. The Rams just got Matthew Stafford. I cannot believe this. But I have to change uh, the thumbnail of this live stream right now. And I have to change the title. And I'm sorry. I think we're going to be talking a lot longer than this 30 to 45 minutes we plan. Sure enough, we were on for what, two, two to three hours uh, at one point. You know, we had about 60 views, live views, like, which is good, you know, um, about 60 live viewers. And then all of a sudden they just started coming in droves. And we had over 600 that night at a time. Oh, wow. It was, uh, I mean, that, that ended up being a pretty, I mean, 
the standalone video on YouTube, you don't even get all the views. Like the live viewership never turn into views. Like, like they, you get half of them, right? Yeah. The standard viewership on YouTube went over 10K. So I was literally done live streaming and I had a my first viral video, so to speak, in my terms. And it was like, wait, it's 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 over 10K and I didn't have to go through the recording of it. Like it just, you know, I, I did it live and just it was it there. And then after that, the excitement with this, you know, this team, um, which I haven't seen on my channel since we're steadily growing, but I haven't seen this since I used to just be like, all right, I'm going live today. We're going to talk about staff. We're going to talk about why I think this is going to be the number one offense. We're going to talk about why I believe this is a Super Bowl team. And every single day it was like 300, 400 views, like live viewers. And I'm like, I could get used to this. I mean, this is awesome, you know? And of course, the only downfall is that this was before, right before YouTube monetized me. So I did not make a ton of revenue. Oh, off of that, you missed all that beautiful CPM. Exactly. So, I mean, I made up for it in the, you know, the long run, so to speak, but you never, it's one of those things like when people ask me like, wait, do you get revenue for the, like the videos you put out before you were monetized? I'm like, you do. It, it becomes a monetizable video, but, the but you viewer, don't get the monetized. The viewership is so low on it. You don't get back the views that you made before the monetization. Exactly. And like, you know, it's like when you try to explain it, they're like, well, what about the ads? I'm like, but they weren't playing ads because I wasn't, I wasn't monetizing the video. There are no ads. There's no monetization. You don't just get that. So it, it does suck, but uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. It was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of people don't realize, well, they realize now this wasn't just a Homer. Oh, the Rams got this guy. I love this guy. Now this was, I love Matthew Stafford. I watched him in Detroit. I knew he was better than the consensus would give him credit for. And all these people that just watched him on Thanksgiving lose games, which wasn't really his fault, uh, weren't giving him his due. And so I'm sitting here, I'm like, no, 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 no. I live on the East Coast, okay? Sometimes, like, I will get Lions games when you're not expecting, when you probably shouldn't be getting Lions games, you still would get a Lion game here and there. And besides the fact, you go back and watch all the games anyway. Uh, so I'm like, Matthew Stafford you know, take how good you think Matthew Stafford is and like times it by four, you know, and that that's how good he really is. I mean, it's, it's incredible uh, what he was doing and how he's not a picky quarterback. And what I mean by that is you Jared Goff who'd stare down, you know, Cooper cup. And he'd be like, you know, I really want to get to Cooper cup. Look, Stafford looks like he cares more about getting it to Cooper cup than, you know, Jared Goff did. He just doesn't make it as obvious. <laughs> This yeah. guy's constantly trying to, you know, push the ball down the field. And when you have a guy like that, you know, in Stafford, you do realize Sean McVay, who's now 40, you know, at halftime, like Stafford was going into halftime, always losing. That was the issue is that he didn't have a team that could give him a lead. He has to he be clutch the league every single game. <laughs> yeah. So that's why he leads the league in fourth quarter comebacks and comfort behind wins. So, you do realize if that's the case and he's going to a team that's now a Super Bowl contender that has all the pieces there and has a coach that literally just will give him whatever he wants to do and an offensive line that will protect him. You do realize like Stafford, the the margin for error is so wide now. 
And Stafford doesn't even have that many errors. This isn't somebody that just turns the ball over like crazy because then people would be like, well, Jake, I mean, what about the interceptions? Because this is somebody that just turns the ball over like crazy. I'm like, no, it's context is needed here. Look at his interceptions. Last week, he got hit. It's his only interception of the year. He has nine touchdowns, one interception. And he hit his thumb. Like, while throwing, he hit his thumb against, you know, one of the defenders going up and trying to swat the pass down. Um, and, and then on top of that, the pass did get swatted. So it was a tipped pass. It was one of those freak things. They picked it off, but that was really it. And furthermore, you know, when he was throwing those picks with the Lions, the majority of those came when they're down 10, 13, and 17, And he has to push the ball downfield. Exactly. And it's like, I mean, look, you don't want interceptions regardless, but I don't know what you want him to do. Do you want to try to win the football game or not? Like, I love that this guy, no matter what position he was in, no matter... Uh, how bad the game was. He was always playing until the final whistle. He was getting decked in the process. I mean, so, dude threw a touchdown pass with a dislocated arm. His oh, arm was, was hanging out of his socket and he still went and threw a game-winning pass. That shows what a competitor he is. He's, yeah, he's just, um, I, I'm really happy for him too because all that, you know, it's like he's, a, you know, first overall pick from 2019, uh, you know, 2009. And everyone's like, oh, well, you know, he's uh, he's anointed. He's, you know, first overall pick he you know came out of georgia you know this guy was given everything and i'm like you know maybe at first it seemed that way but you know this guy's been absolutely i mean he's just been decked left and right and he's also gotten a lot of crap he's owing three in the playoffs but i always say use context his first ever playoff game you know the thing with playoffs and, and you know success we get so caught up in you know whether they're clutch or not we forget if it's okay to actually be good in the playoffs and maybe not be clutch, but you're good. You're not horrible. Some guys yeah. just can't play. And that's not Stafford. You go back, you look at the first game, you know, his first ever playoff game was against the saints. That saints offense with breeze Colson, all those guys that, you know, they were not going to go toe to toe with that, except they were because Stafford was up to the occasion four touchdowns in that game, four total touchdowns took in a, a rushing touchdown and uh, defense gives up 45. So they lose 45 to 28. So essentially Matthew Stafford was responsible for 28 points and the defense couldn't stop them at least once. Uh, then you look at the, the second game that came down on a bad call that, you know, has since been, it's since, you know, a very, you know, infamous, it's a call, you know, it's like one of those things against the Cowboys where it's, it's like, like the Des Bryant catch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's not quite on that level because I feel like, since it happened to the Cowboys and it didn't work in the Cowboys favor, the bigger fan base stood up and made it known, but that was just as bad, you know? Um, and then the third game, I always say this and people are like, well, he didn't play well in Seattle. Well, first off during that time, who was playing well in Seattle? It, you could not beat Seattle during the Legion of boom in Seattle. That yeah, was like were, unheard of. Yeah. They were incredible. So the, the thing I laugh at is the play calling was horrible. Uh, the game plan was horrible. He threw 30 times in a game they got dominated in. Um, but even better, hey, you know what's a great idea? Let's uh, trot out Zach Center to be our starting running back in that game. And they're like, well, you know, because of injuries. I'm like, no, no, no. Injuries shouldn't mean that you're starting Zach Zenner in the playoffs at running back. There are plenty of running backs out there. Find one. Find one off the street. The Rams did that with C.J. Anderson. He was the godson. Like, seriously. And 
that's what I'm trying to tell people, you know, and they'll be like, well, you know, he had a top five defense. Oh, one year he had a top five defense. And now he has no questions asked. He has to make the Super Bowl or he's not good. Like that's the crazy standards that he's held to. But it's from people that, you know, say are, are Vikings fans. And Kirk Cousins hasn't done anything, but they're telling me to give Kirk Cousins multiple chances, even though they had a quarterback that sent them to, you know, the, the NFC title game in, in Case Keenum. And, uh, you know, they, he came up short, but it's also Case Keenum. And uh, they didn't even give him a chance. They were like, nope, we're, we're done with him. We're, let, let's go pay Kirk Cousins 90 million guaranteed. It's just funny, though. It's like the, these fans that have these quarterbacks, like similar quarterbacks with not really any postseason success will say, well, Matthew Stafford is stat Padford or well, Matthew Stafford turns the ball over. Or, Matthew Stafford doesn't win in the playoffs. I mean, like I said, if the Owen three record was Stafford being like Tony Romo esque, like struggling. Okay. You know, but it wasn't that it was clearly if he had a supporting cast, they would have won some of those games. They were never a team even at the very least, all he needed was just a solid supporting cast. Like say Matt Ryan had with the Falcons in the 2017 playoffs when they knocked off the Rams. We knew they weren't winning the Super Bowl at that team, but what we, you know, that team, what we didn't know is, you know, whether or not, you know, that team could get a little further in the playoffs in the wild card round. And I mean, they, they did win the first game, you know, I think lions fans would have taken that, but the problem is they just couldn't field a defense that was worth a damn for that. And then, you know, the easy thing is, and it's a blessing and a curse. He had Calvin Johnson. So I went, like I said, blessing, you have Calvin Johnson curse. If you throw to Calvin Johnson, who's wide open, you're going to get, Oh, he just throws it up to Calvin Johnson all the time. I'm like, well, would, would you not be throwing to Calvin Johnson? If he's yeah. wide open. Yeah. Criticize a guy for throwing to probably at that time, the best receiver in the fucking league. Like, what do you yeah. mean? The, that, exactly. People are so reactionary. Sports fans <laughs> are the worst of this. They're so reactionary. They want to find any little thing to pick at. And with Matt Stafford right now, sure, he's throwing video game like numbers, but he's also winning. Yes. So it's clearly, he just didn't have a defense, didn't have the coaching staff. And we've seen with Sean McVay something he didn't necessarily do that much with Jared Goff. This is letting Matt Stafford, you know, kind of do his own thing a little bit. He's sending him out there in some empty sets so, sometimes and being like, do what you need to do. Go out there, make the adjustments you need to do. And my God, it's fucking worked. You guys are 3-0 and right now. <laughs> and you haven't looked like you're even close to losing a game this season. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because the Colts game, it came down, you know, through the wire. It was, you know, 27-24. But you know what I always say with that is, uh, you know, it's not as bad if that's a road win, you know, it's all about just getting the W when you're on the road. You know, we saw that with the Cardinals, right? They started off really sluggish yesterday against the Jaguars. Kyler Murray, I'd go as far to say was very unspectacular. Um, you know, he didn't play well, but they won 31 to 19 and they won. So they're three, and know, no one cares. Um, that stuff only matters when you're trying to rank a power ranking. And power rankings don't get you in the Super Bowl. So exactly, you know, like it's, it's yeah, it, it's crazy. And now Matt Stafford's got this defense. He doesn't have to be the hero in the in the fourth quarter. He doesn't have to be like, oh shit, I've got twelve minutes. I need to throw three touchdowns to like get us in 
range of, you know, even going to OT, which I think takes a lot of pressure off him, which means he's yeah. more relaxed. He's more comfortable. And it's been crazy to see because after you lost Cam Akers as well, it'd be like, damn, that's a big blow. You obviously went out and grabbed Sony Michelle, which I know you guys kind of maybe a little bit haunted for him because he's the only person who managed to put the ball in the end zone the last time you were in a Super Bowl, which is, I don't know why, he only ever turned up in postseason for us. Um, but how do you feel, like, as, as you started this season 3-0, and are there any concerns you have about the team so far? None no, whatsoever. You know, it's funny. Uh, the biggest concern I had was the edge defenders um, who have set the edge well you know, done a nice job stopping the run, have gotten, you know, production. I mean, you look at, you know, Justin Hollins, I guess I'm concerned. I haven't seen, um, but I'm concerned because Justin Hollins got hurt late in the game uh, with a pectoral injury. And I, as we know, you know, a torn pec is just end of year, right? You, you can't yeah, play done. when you're, I mean, that's, that's a lot of rehab right there. Um, you know, you kind of need your pectoral muscle, you know, if you want to play football. So you know, I, I think that was a really big concern of mine, as well as the nickel corner spot. David Long is not perfect. Could they use an upgrade? Yes, absolutely. But David Long has is, is been solid. Uh, the offensive line I wasn't worried about because everyone's like, well, you know, we could have gotten Creed Humphrey and could have gotten this and could have done. And I'm like, you know what? The offensive line was good last year, and you just didn't realize it. Anybody that was hating on it because Jared Goff doesn't have pocket presence. So he made you know, or he held on to the ball too long. So one of the two, he made the offense look worse than it truly was. And then sure enough, this offensive line um, with Stafford is just going to look a lot better. They struggled early on in the Tampa Bay game, but it's the way that they responded second, third and fourth quarter playing a complete football game. You know, that's the thing we get so caught up in, you know, five second film clips, right? So, you know, somebody on Twitter is like, Oh, look at, Look at Vita Vea just sent this guy in the solar system. Yeah, but then Vita Vea got sent into the solar system, you know, the next three quarters. That's not going to be clipped because, well, that's that's too much work to do. Um, but going back and taking one film clip and five seconds and putting it on your TikTok will get you a lot of views, uh, you know, out of context stuff. I got to love it. It was the biggest thing for me during the draft process, you know, when people are trying to knock Dylan Moses out of Alabama, the linebacker prospect and that infamous TikTok like got around and everyone's like, he doesn't even care. And yeah, I hate that. And I'm not trying to knock content creators because you and I are both content creators, but it's like football is so much more than five seconds. You know, the clips are nice, but the whole point of the clips were to put that in a thread on Twitter and explain things that they're doing well in them. So you can add a bunch of them. TikTok threw that in the water because now it's all about, oh, well, this one play, this is so great. And now it's going to be, you know, biased because now nobody, like, for instance, Dylan Moses, you know, he threw a bunch of clips together. Sure. But it's just like, we don't know the context of, you know, the coverage or anything like that. We don't know the play call. That's why you always have to temper your expectations on a linebacker. Oh, well, he didn't even try to cover the guy. Yeah, because he was in zone. That, that he's he's occupying <laughs> yeah. his zone you know like i hate that so much because it's like you know I, the other day um what is it i'm uh i'm watching i think it was a tiktok and someone was like yeah and you watch here this linebacker has no idea what he's doing it's like actually when you watch here you have no idea what you're talking about because the linebacker clearly has a zone commit and he can't leave the zone because then the if problem. he leaves the zone you know it's like it's the problem I've had with like PFF. I know 
they're very controversial, but sometimes they assign blown coverages to just the closest player to the catch when that wasn't his assignment. So we see like Tyron Matthew complained about, he's like, why do you have me giving up 16 catches when I only gave up nine? Yeah. And they was like, well, your, your coaching staff have to reach out to us. And it's like, hold on. Yeah. What you guys have to like, Football context is so, so important. Stats really don't mean anything if you can't watch the film. I think Brett Coleman said it best when he said, he said, yeah, football fans um, use stats in the same way a drunk person uses a lamppost. uh, And that's for stability, not for illumination. You can only get illumination and context on how well a player is playing and how well he is doing if you watch the film. There is no way you can tell how someone's playing if you don't watch the film because you could say, oh, Tom Brady's thrown for 5,000 yards this year, but 4,800 of those yards could be yak yards right? (laughs) because he's just dumping it off and screens and stuff. Exactly. And that was the biggest issue with Jared Goff. And I I hate being honest about him because when I am, first off, I do it all the time. But secondly, like it comes off as like I was ungrateful. Like I was grateful... For Jared Goff, 2016 was brutal. He went through the ringer, but he bounced back. And like people can say, like, McVay helped him and all, but, like, you still have to make those throws. And in 2017-18, he was playing at a whole other different level, whole other different level than he has since. You know, and that's the thing. He had it. He was capable of it. I mean, I was a Wentz guy. We'll, we'll throw that out there. But, um, you know, I, I, I got to give him props there. But at the same time, context matters. You got to watch the film because in 2019 and 2020, if you're just looking at the stat sheet and you're not going like game by game box score, of course, but if you're looking at the stat sheet, it comes out, wow, Jerry Goff, 67% completion percentage. Um, oh, wow. That's those are a lot of yards. He's got some decent touchdowns. I don't know why they got rid of him. He went to a Super Bowl, and now all of a sudden you see, start to see that narrative that goes around like, well, he's not, you know, he's not doing bad. Maybe Sean McVay should just do better. That was a narrative that went around. Like, you know, they, they got Matthew Stafford, not because not because Matthew Stafford is better than Jared Goff, but Sean McVay doesn't have accountability. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, I'm out. Because you know what? This is my biggest thing. Like when people will turn on, they're like, hey, do you see uh, you know, Fox Sports 1 today? I'm like, no. I was recording a video on my YouTube that probably gives you more insight into the game than whatever you were watching. And they're like, Oh, it just really upset me. I'm like, I can address that on my YouTube, but I'm just, I'm just telling you like it is like, I don't care what other people think about my team. If they aren't teaching me about my team, like you want to look at a really, really good Rams analyst. You should be following Jordan Rodriguez. Okay. She's coming on her podcast later on today. She is brilliant. She's one of the best sports writers in all of, America right now. Um, she's probably going to be covering the NFL nationally within the next two years. She won the newcomer, the writer award or whatever. I'm not the writer she is, and I don't have those credentials. I think I could get there someday, but her preparation is just unmatched right now. And so it's just kind of, it's frustrating in a sense when you're a fan, um, you put out good content, but then you also see other people putting out good content and Skip Bayless is the one getting the tweets just because, yeah, you know, you, you had a, you, he pulled you in, you know, that that's his, his thing. Right. So 
Skip Bayless, what people don't realize, is a freaking genius. He's created a platform just based on hating certain players. LeBron James. Yeah. So that (laughs) fan club is going to come over and be like, what the hell? You don't know what you're talking about. But they're going to not just reply to him, which also is engagement. It it is engagement if you reply. They're also going to quote tweet him. So now all of a sudden that's on everybody's platform. Everybody is seeing it. And then, oh, another person gets upset. Someone's having a bad day at work. And now they see that. They're like, oh, my God. Like, some people get so upset about, you know, talking heads and whatever, uh, criticizing their team that they, like, get angry. Like, I don't get angry. It's kind of a joke for me. Like, I'm like, oh, I need to get off Twitter today. I can't with <laughs> any. But I, I like, I'm not going to get off Twitter. I'm not going to let people like that have the power over me. But, like, the other day when people were saying, like, you know, Cam Newton is clearly way better than Ben Roethlisberger. I'm like, what? <laughs> like that, that tested me. I, I like, I was like, all right, do we have to pull out the stats? Well, what about the film? Well, Cam Newton had, well, Cam Newton runs for a lot of yards. Cam Newton runs for a lot of touchdowns. Cam Newton does not run for a lot of yards anymore. He runs for a lot of touchdowns. Cause here's, here's exactly what would happen. This is why Damian Williams or Damian Harris rather wasn't a fantasy option last year as an RB one, because he would do all the dirty work. He would run hundred, 110, 120, 130 yards. You're a Patriots fan. So, you know, so exactly. He, he would run, do all the dirty work. And then Cam Newton would just punch it in on a quarterback power. And it just, it frustrates me. Cause I'm not hating on Newton for get you know, taking my points because I had Damian Harris. So like that's neither here nor there. I'm hating on the fact that you're using that to justify him being better than Ben Roethlisberger, who is a hall of famer, who if he's falling off this year, keep in mind it's three games we've seen worse from other quarterbacks. If he's truly falling off this year, he's had a phenomenal career. He has been a model of consistency and he threw his last big game in the playoffs. He threw a bunch of interceptions, context matters, three of which were tipped. And furthermore, he threw over 500 yards in that game. Okay. So this idea that like, oh, well, you know, we, we could just put Cam Newton in there. We could just put, this guy in there. It's like, no, it's, that's not it at all. Cam Newton can't throw the ball. Like, yeah. Well, trust me. I know that better than anyone. (laughs) So like, they're like, well, Cam Newton's more mobile. I'm like, Cam Newton is more mobile. Cam Newton can run. Cam Newton can't throw. I didn't, I'm not picking up, you know, a starting quarterback to just run every time. This isn't college. This isn't like, you know what I'm saying? This this is the triple read option offense. You know, your arm is bad when the biggest passing game of that team from that year comes from Jarrett Stidham coming in, in the third quarter, he had more yards in those two quarters than cam had in any game all year through the air. It was ridiculous. And then they're like, well, cam has no weapons. I'm like, I, I don't know about you. Daniel Jones getting the ball yesterday to well, Kendrick Bourne. And then, well, we didn't have Kendrick Bourne last year. Well, Kendrick Bourne we is have like Jacoby Myers, who yeah. is say what you want because he's undrafted. He's a phenomenal receiver. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's really good. I watched him at the senior bowl. I mean, you know, that's the thing is Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, you know, Nelson Aguilar. It's not like Mac Jones was gifted Julio Jones, AJ Brown, Justin Jett. Like people act like that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Mac Jones beat out Cam Newton because Mac Jones can throw the football and they wanted to throw the football this year. And they knew Mac Jones or not. Well, yeah, they knew Mac Jones could, and they knew Cam Newton was not going to be able to. And it's that simple. And, you know, I mean, as far as the Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry signings, 
I think they really just kind of, you know, they were at the grocery store and they, they were shopping when they were already hungry. And we, we know what happens then. Uh, <laughs> they were like, oh, Johnny Smith. Well, you know what? Why don't we just get, you know, like, what? I don't know what was better. So let's just get them both. And then no one else can get them. <laughs> like, so, yeah, you know, which, that, that was funny. I, you know, I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> kind of not the best. Uh, I was less than favorable opinions towards Joe New Smith yesterday. He assisted a pick uh, for Mac Jones. He uh, looked like he was trying to hold a cactus with no gloves on. <laughs> um with that bob that's, you, that's you know the exact it. play i'm referring to it yeah and, and mac jones is another guy who we have to point to context matter and they're like well look how high his completion percentage is You're like look how many of those balls uh were like free air yards or what or were dump offs and stuff so yeah they're they're going the the long route with him and i think the thing is the patriots knew the only way they were going to win that football game is that they came out and immediately established the run with Damian Harris and it, you know, against the saints saints, you know, everyone talks about Tampa's run defense and Tampa did a nice job against Sonny Michelle. I held him to 3.1 yards per carry yesterday on 20 carries, but I mean, the saints are stifling the run. Like why is no one talking about that? Like they're absolutely stifling the run. And, and we could have benefited from Ramondre Stevenson out there a lot because the way him and Harris run is so different. Oh, but they're both such so dynamic in their own ways. When you can have Harris, who's just going to punch through the middle on like eye formations and just punish people. And then you've got Ramondre who can break outside and make three, four cuts on a run. That could have been the difference yesterday. Besides the fact that Cam Newton got very, not Cam Newton, Jameis Winston got very very lucky on one of those touchdowns there i don't know if you saw sean payton uh when he comes to the side you can see him saying hey don't do that (laughs) hey you know here's the thing though people are so like oh the patriots are one and two they're not good without brady whatever i'm sure you've heard of that constantly what people forget is no one wants to play new england for four quarters yeah you might win but you have to it's not a cakewalk they're a team that can have four wins all season long, but if you're playing them and that defense gets going, the defense is really good, you know, and people forget like they have guys like Stefan Gilmore comes off the P, uh, the PUP list, you know, halfway through the season. Um, but they have guys like Josh Uche who was actually hurt yesterday. I think that definitely hurt them mm-hmm. at pass rush. I think he'll be ready to go against the Bucs. Um, but, you know, you have Josh Uche, you have Chase Winovich. You go out and you spend money on Matt Judon. You got a guy really Jackson. Like yeah, JC Jackson. Phenomenal I loved corner. him in the draft. I mean, he was my sixth corner in that draft. He went undrafted. I, I still don't know why. Kyle uh, Duggar, Kyle Duggar as well, coming into his own. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Duggar. Really like him. Had a chance to talk with him out of Lenora Ryan. Um, they just have all sorts of guys that, you know, I really like. And, and that's a team that I, I, I don't want to say I root for them because mainly because Rams fans will be upset. I root for a team that beat them in the Super Bowl twice. But uh, I really do like Bill Belichick, and I feel like he gets a ton of crap since Brady left. I feel like people have now, you know, resorted to saying that Brady made him. Um, I Name would another say, coach who gets seven wins with last year's roster. I have no idea. And, and that's the thing. They had 10 COVID opt-outs. They had a, a quarterback who Cam Newton, I think, was solid before he got COVID and then clearly was not the same. It also disrupted the flow of everything. Yeah. On top of the fact, you know, that team was penciled in for three to four wins by many people. And he, he overachieved. And 
And I think, unfortunately, losing the Rams the way they did in front of the national scene really dumbed everything down for them. People didn't give them the benefit of the doubt. That was a really nice job. I had Bill Belichick as a dark horse coach of the year candidate just because of what he was able to do. Uh, him and uh, one of you know his old um, his guys, Joe Judge, who you know surprisingly is zero three. So I, I don't know what's yeah. going on there with the Giants, but no, I, I respect the hell out of the Patriots, and I love the Patriot way. I love that it's all about winning football. It's not about you know who gets the most points scored, and you know it's funny on the opposite sideline with Mister uh, you know egomaniac Sean Payton. It's about how many points we can put up and. Oh, well, let's get make sure to get my guy Taysom Hill because it's it's a cute little thing that I like to do, and it makes you feel like crap when you let Taysom Hill, you know, score a touchdown. He's so obnoxious, man. I, I do not like Sean Payton. When when let's be honest, if he hadn't have torn his ACL, um, JF3 would have been a far superior version of Taysom Hill, uh, a guy who can throw further, run faster, and is a lot more dynamic with his hands. Um. But as we're talking about coaches, I have got to ask because I've made the joke a couple of times about like, oh, well, you, you had lunch with Sean McVay last week. You'll get a head coach's <laughs> job soon. How, how do you kind of feel that he sort of started this new wave of young, fresh coaches who have not Cliff Kingsbury, but like guys like LaFleur. Sorry, I hate Cliff Kingsbury. I think he is consistently pushing that Arizona Cardinals team down. There's no way you can do that bad with that good a roster. Um, but how do you feel that he sort of started this wave of like offensive wonder kids almost, which is weird to say when he's a few years older than me, but how, how do you feel that he sort of started that wave? I love it. Um, I love that he started it. I love that it's been beneficial for the Rams. Um, I mean, it, it is frustrating when you have, you know, LaFleur and Zach Taylor and soon to be O'Connell guys that he brought in and, you know, they kill it. And then all of a sudden it's, yeah, you know, uh, they're going to go over to the Packers. They're going to go to the, the Cincinnati Bengals or we'll see where O'Connell goes. But I mean, if they win the Super Bowl, they're getting absolutely gashed and, the thing is, I hate to break it to you, you teams out there that think they can just slowly pick apart the Rams like Seahawks with Shane Waldron to find all the little secrets. Sean McKay changes his approach every year, just a little bit, because, you, you know, you have to. You have all sorts of coaches sprinkled around the league. And what people are going to come to realize is there was a chance this year, um, chance. I'm not saying they would have gotten him, um, but the former... I forget the guy's name. He's the defense coordinator for Wisconsin. If you don't know him, he is phenomenal um he's one of the best up-and-coming defense coordinators in you know the sport right now and he played for the jets for years i I totally forget his name now um i'm gonna look it up right now just that way we have it but uh because i mean it's a big deal uh jim leonard there we go so jim leonard even before i could uh look it up i just remembered it jim leonard and and sean mcfair butts okay jim leonard does not want to lose that wisconsin job it's like home to him he went to wisconsin all that you get that whole drift yeah Uh, the packers reached out to him tried to get him and they ended up um settling on joe barry who was the rams linebacker and assistant head coach now here's the interesting thing okay the rams have multiple avenues they could go because raheem morris is going to get a head coaching job okay like he deserved, he's going to get a head coaching job. Uh, you know, he honestly deserved it the way he, you know, really made the Falcons competitive. You know, as soon as you let Dan Quinn go and all of a sudden that team is competitive, 
that really told me a lot, but uh, he's going to get it. Um, he's, you know, doing a really good job with the Rams right now. So when he does, there are guys out there like Jim Leonard, who Sean McVay has already had dialogue with, who I'm sure Sean McVay would, you know, push really hard to try to leave Wisconsin. And uh, furthermore, you know, they have guys like, you know, Aubrey Pleasant, who was a cornerback coach for a while, who's been called the defensive McVay, who was with him in Washington, who left and went to the Lions this year to be the secondary coach. But unless they promote him, if the Rams have an opportunity, I think that they would make him their defensive coordinator, which would ultimately be a promotion that they could not block. So um, I will say that. I will say that they feel good. You have to feel good about Sean McVay and his connections. He'll find those guys. Uh, as years go on, more coaches will come in the league. Sean McVay is very connected, so he'll find those guys. Offense coordinator, if they lose Kevin O'Connell, I mean, they have a lot of guys in that organization right now. They have Zach Robinson, um, who was a former quarterback, I believe, at Oklahoma State. Um, he's been there. He was the quarterback coach, assistant quarterback coach, wide receiver, you know, you name it. Um, you know, he is an interesting option. Um, <clears throat> you know, they, they have guys there. I'm not too worried about that. I think they would find an offensive coordinator. But really, with Sean McVay, his offensive coordinator is going to be a guy that's going to help set up the game plan, going to help set up the scheme and all of that um, and implement that. But he's calling the plays. So it's not like he needs a you know connoisseur or somebody that can call the plays. I mean, right now it wouldn't happen. Uh, the Bengals look pretty good, but if Zach Taylor got fired, I'm sure he'd be the first option. Um, you know, if... <laughs> Say LaFleur, all of a sudden, you know, the Packers fell off face of the earth, or they were like, Yeah, you know what? We you lost this Rogers, so we're gonna fire you. I'm sure he would be the first option. You know, there are well, plenty of guys younger like brother. That. Uh, that's an interesting one, but he is an OC for the Jets, so they would block that because it, it would be considered like a lateral move, so to speak. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's not leaving the Jets organization to go to the Rams organization is like, you know, but yeah, it'd be considered a lateral move in a lot, of, you know, in that sense. And so they would block that. Um, but, you know, there are definitely some young offensive minds around the league. Um, a lot of offensive position coaches, young Austin Davis, former Ram, who's with the Seattle Seahawks. I believe he's their quarterback coach um, or assistant quarterback coach, something like that. He would be an option. Um, there's plenty of options. So, the, you know, the Rams will find their guys. I'm not too worried about it. Um, Wes Phillips, Wade Phillips' son, who is still on the roster. I know a lot of people forgot about that. He's the tight end coach. There's, you know, there'd still be an option there. Um, yeah, I mean, that there, there's so many different avenues they could go. You know, even Kevin Carber, the offensive line coach, they could make him no C or they could do what they did, you know, when they didn't have an offensive coordinator and they just like broke it up, pass game coordinator and run game coordinator, you know, that type of deal. So that's the thing is Sean McVay, you can't you can't beat what he's going to do because this is an un, this is not a losable model because he's constantly networking with people and he's got his own podcast. Now he seems, like, he seems like such a likable guy as well. So like yeah. people would just naturally gravitate to him. And then it's crazy. I'm surprised you guys didn't pick up Marcus Freeman from Cincinnati Bearcats actually last year. He's an incredible defensive mind. He's gone on to Notre Dame now, but I thought he would have been a great fit for the Rams, given given what he did, turning guys like Sauce Gardner into these top-level guys was fantastic. And then 
Sean McVay, he does so much on offense. Teams like Baltimore are stealing his concepts and his pre-snap motions and everything. We see last year and the year before, everything Baltimore did on offense, we had seen previously with the Rams. Does that just feel like the biggest compliment to you? Yeah, you know, I I mean, obviously, you know, was it they call copying is a, a sense of, um, you know, flattery. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, I think. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, it's it's that it's a copycat league. You know, the thing I love about Sean McVay is he's not afraid to copycat. Remember that one play uh, I want to say in 2017 um, that I forget what game it was. But Andy Reid called a really cool looking deep post over the middle seam buster to Kareem Hunt. The Rams copied that play. That was a Thursday night football game. The Rams copied that play the next week against the Cowboys or that week against the Cowboys on Sunday. They did it with Todd Gurley and went for a touchdown as well. So it's like I, I know that like it's like drilled into my brain because I've seen, you know, point A and then they turn into point B. And it's like it's just it's the same play but he's not afraid to, to copy it. And he, you know, he said before on like his coach shows and whatnot, he'll be like, yeah, you know, I saw that really cool play, you know, Kareem hunt had like a, you know, wide set there. And all of a sudden, you know, he took off down the sideline and then cut back inside and, you know, uh, you busted the seam wide open. And then you had, you know, Alex hitting him in, in the crosser. It's like, and then, you know, you're like, I know he's going to use that. I know he's going to, if he's talking about that right now, the way he is, he's going to use that. And he doesn't, it's honestly like an ego thing for him. He doesn't even realize it's ego for him. He's like telling you like it, the opponent, like the Cowboys could have been listening to that show and he did not care that he just put that out there and they used that play that week. They just basically installed that into their playbook. It's really funny. Um, they do it a lot. And you know, I think the thing is, there's a lot of different, um, there's a lot of different college concepts that are coming in the NFL. Uh, which here's the thing with Matthew Stafford, I don't think they're going to try much, but they have done a little bit of that. The option, you know, like he rolls out and he just dumps it, um, and it's it's the risky throws. I mean, the two of them could have gotten picked yesterday. Um, even Stafford was like. Oh my God. Yeah. You can see on his face after he gets the completion. He's like, (laughs) and I'm sitting there like, (laughs) it does not matter how dominant you were in that game. The Buccaneers could have rode off of one turnover, you know, then, you know, Tom Brady's in the zone. Um, I am not a big fan of the talking head thing. Like when people look at it from like a, you know, type of um, human standpoint, like how you could win a football game. Well, the Buccaneers have already won the Super Bowl, so they're not going to be as motivated since they all came back as the Rams. I hate that type of Again, stuff. Again, who Tom Brady is. But like at the same time, like when Colin Coward said that, I was like, you know what? He's not wrong because you have all those guys coming back. They're not motivated. That's ridiculous. But if you want to say they're not as motivated as the Rams are, like Sean McVay, because I'm not going to curse on your show, because um, I, oh, you, I oh, you're allowed. No, I know. I, I have this filter. It's really weird. As soon as I'm in front of a camera, I can't curse. If I was off the camera, <laughs> I'd be cursing left and right. It, it just it, that's the way it is. Sean McVay is basically at this point saying, "I'm effing winning the Super Bowl, and no one is going to effing stop me." And you can see that, and you could you, like yesterday. 
it, that game meant so much more to him than it meant for Bruce Arians. Well, look at when he went uh, ran up the sideline to Deshaun yeah. Jackson after that that deep touch. I've never seen that before. By the way, he's doing that every single touchdown. He just runs down the side. I've never seen him do that. He Deshaun didn't McVay do that with got Jared four Goff. Free speed. Sean McVay. People forget that Sean McVay was a decorated, uh, you know, high school football player. I think it was to Miami, built. Ohio, and didn't We've really get the We've seen the shirtless videos on uh, Hard Knocks. He's built, bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's funny, though, because it's like Deshaun Jackson and Sean McVay are like the same age. So Yeah, it's crazy. It must be weird, the, the coach being younger than you for some players. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because, you know, the thing that's really cool about that is Deshaun Jackson, and I actually was saying this on a show yesterday uh, with one of the Tampa guys that was telling me, oh, come on, Deshaun Jackson isn't going to play. Like, he, he he's never healthy or anything like that. That, that guy's a bum now, you know, whatever. And I'm like, all right, hear me out when I say this. I, too, also feel like Deshaun Jackson's always going to get hurt. However, until he gets hurt, he is as dangerous as anybody on the field. And you saw why yesterday. Yep. And also what people forget, and they're like, he had one touchdown, you know, for the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles, as soon as Reich left that team, that team wasn't going anywhere. And I kept saying that Reich was the secret sauce. Reich was the secret sauce. That's why what happened to Carson the second Reich was gone. Exactly. So that was the thing there. But people forget this connection has been for years. Sean McVay coached Deshaun Jackson. He was the offensive coordinator. uh, Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garcon throwback name there. I don't even know what happened to him, man. He should still be playing. Uh, Both of them went over a thousand yards in the same season. You know, I mean, he knows Deshaun. This is well. This wasn't like, oh well, he runs. Straight I'm gonna take down a flyer field. on this guy because yeah. he he used to be really fast, like the Chiefs just did. Apparently, they got Josh Gordon or whatever. That um, I, I mean, it's funny. I always want to start by saying that could be really good, or or you know that could, but then I'm like, Josh Gordon has burned me so many times. He, I genuinely I just, believe he could have been a Hall of Famer if he didn't have substance abuse issues. Because he was so, yeah. so good. I mean, on the Browns. And we're not even talking about, like, the Browns. We're talking about, like, the Browns. Down yeah. Like the, not a good team. Um, the Browns is the Browns' Browns. Yeah, like the Browns' Browns, you know. Uh, dear God. But, um, but no, it's, it, it is funny, right? You know, how, uh, how a player like that, you know, will constantly get – that's how big of a name Josh Gordon is. You know, he gets brought off – you know, off the uh, the suspended list or whatever. He gets reinstated and everyone's like, oh my God, Josh Gordon's back. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure people would do that. Manziel was back. I'm sure people would do that. Like people did with Tim Tebow. He's like an icon in a sense, like by yeah. name. But it's still just, it's funny how he's that powerful. He's now 30. So you can't say, oh, he's only 26 still. He's only 27. He's only 28. He's only 20. Now he's, he's 30. in the twilight of his career. You know, uh, but I mean, at the same time, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's that that offense. I mean, I, I also said, you know, if the Chiefs don't get a defense anytime soon, they're never going back to another Super Bowl. I mean, because the AFC is getting tougher. And you saw that yesterday. Brandon Staley. It's so crazy as well that the Chargers managed when he threw that uh, fade route to Mike Williams with so much time left on the clock. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Kneel yeah. it, kneel it to kick a field goal. And See, then they I, went for it. And I was like, I agree with you. believe in that defense. I agree with you. I, I mean, 
I'm, you know, for that one person's sake, I'm glad it didn't happen. They want a million in uh, FanDuel because it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, the million dollar challenge. I mean, I'll never win the million dollar challenge, but you know, congrats to them. Uh, <laughs> I, I was horrible yesterday because Sterling Shepard kicked off my day with a hamstring injury, which is why not giving Sterling Shepard any more credit anymore because it's like, oh, you had first two good games and then week three got hurt. Yep, that sounds like Sterling Shepard. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's, uh, yeah, like with that, I, I just, the AFC is getting tougher. You know, you have the Chargers. I have them, personally, I have them going to the Super Bowl against the Rams. Like, I, I think they're that good. I think that, I, I what was it? Uh, again, Colin Coward said it, but I thought it was interesting. He said a insider um, or one of the executives he talked to said they weren't really in high regard with Anthony Lynn. They, they view him as a high-end offensive coordinator, but not really a head coach. They said not even Tom Brady could have done what Justin Herbert did with that team last year. Yeah, and I thought that crazy. was yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Justin Herbert was you know phenomenal. Um, and, and on top of that, they they went out and they got Brandon Staley. People forget Brandon Staley played quarterback, so he gets the offensive side of the ball. He's not just People defensive mind. He was just going to be a defensive minded yeah. guy because what they saw him do at the Rams. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, though, they go out and they get a son, you know, Asante Samuel Jr. I had pegged him as the perfect fit for that defense because he he can play any sort of role Staley needs him to play. But on top of that, you have Derwin James on top of that, you have Joey Bosa. He's kind of saw he's like, wait a minute, I have some parallels here. I have a better quarter. I have a better linebacker, so to speak, than maybe some of the linebackers that the Rams had, you know, in Kenneth Murray. So. I'm sure he was looking at it like, all right, this is a good start. And then the, de- you know, the offense, it's like check mark, the biggest check mark ever. You have your franchise quarterback in year two. Um, on top of that, you're like, all right, so we just got to get protection. Okay, let's go out and get Ray Sean Slater and let's sign Corey Lindsley. You know, all of a sudden, that Slater was one of the best linemen good. in that draft as well, by the way, just hands yeah. down. Well, extremely people extremely violent for just he a dude down. who looks like a kid who chills at the library. He's yeah. insane. I mean, he shut down Chase Young in, in college, and then he did it again this year to, to kick off his NFL career. He's like, yeah, I'll do that again. Yeah, I have time for that. You know, I'll, I'll make time on my schedule for that. Yeah, like, he looks like he's bored playing out there, to be honest, because it just, doesn't look like he's getting pressured. Yeah, he, he needs to be tested there, um, which he's not. If Chase Young wasn't giving him a hard time, there's not many other guys that are going to be able to test him. Maybe I mean, this is how maybe is. a Nick Bosa or a maybe a Brian maybe. Burns with his speed off the edge. I do think Brian Burns' speed and his dip. I do think he might be able to give him a, a, a problem, but they're not going to play them for God knows when, and they're not going to play Bosa. I su- suggested Bosa. He has that elite first step, but then he also has, which is a problem I have with Joey Bosa. Both I missed on both guys horrendously um, pre-draft because I said their arms were too short which I, I know is like kind of a controversial thing to say, but we saw it when ever Nick would go up against, I can't remember who it was from Oklahoma, but he got absolutely dominated by just a long lineman. Uh, uh, but if I could see those two face off, if he could get around a guy like Bosa or Burns who have that elite first step, that very quick get off, that's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you there. Um, so, I mean, you know, you look at that and you're like, okay, well, like Slater's good. So you can see how the Chargers are a good team. And 
this complacency with the Chiefs defense, which again, I've been saying isn't just new. Their defense hasn't been that good. They have players, but all in all, like you can't have Drew Sorens or Daniel Sorensen. I keep calling him Drew. I don't know why. Maybe because it sounds like a baseball player. I don't know. <laughs> Daniel Sorensen should not be out there ever over Juan Thornhill. And I just, I, I don't know what they're doing. And, you know, furthermore, I'll say this. It's not just the Chargers. You look at the Raiders. Raiders are a lot better than I expected. I, am, I had them winning three games. They have won three games in three uh, weeks. Um, so the Raiders are better. The Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater is taking care of the football. Everyone's like, well, they don't, they don't play anybody. Yeah, but they blow out teams that they don't play. And they, they play to secure wins. They, they could win by a lot more. That's the thing that the scoreboard yeah. doesn't tell you. Uh, so the Broncos. Uh, so you have the Chargers, the Broncos, the Raiders. Those are all in your division. I'm not even talking about outside your division yet. Because then when you get outside, the Bills, you know, some people are like, how the hell they lose to the Steelers? It doesn't matter. The Bills are pissed. They're playing pissed. They're running up the score on Washington. I mean, I mean Josh Allen is just a, a, a guy who... So I actually made a bet with colleagues and fans and i said if josh allen isn't a super bowl winner or an mvp within the next five years i will get a tattoo on my back that says eli manning is a hall of famer that's how (laughs) sure i am of josh allen and last year very closely missed out on the mvp this season he's already he's so angry like you said from that steelers loss he is a man possessed in that washington game and washington have a good defense yeah, that's that's the thing, you know, for me. And, you know, I think, um, you know, so you have the Bills, you have the Raiders, the Broncos, the Chargers, and then you move over and you're like, and the Ravens look pretty good. And the Ravens showed you the giant monkey off of Lamar Jackson's back. Who, by the way, I've seen some better football being played from Lamar Jackson than Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the only difference is that no one's catching anything that Lamar Jackson's throwing. I mean, about three drops from Hollywood Brown, three touchdowns. We had a drop from Sammy Watkins. I mean, he could have had a masterful passing day, and instead he ends up with the same type of, well, he ran for a lot of yards and, um, you know, that whole thing. Um, So, you know, there's that. But, uh, like Lamar Jackson is a very capable quarterback. People just focus on the fact that he's an electric runner, and that's that's like really not fair to him, I think. And I, I said coming into the league that possibly he was the most talented player in that draft class. I said he was definitely the first to win MVP. I, I, I'll take a bow on that one. But I said if you look at his progression uh, at Louisville, very much coachable. His, his completion percentage went up. His his the amount of throws he made went up. So very clearly, he's coachable, and the progression is there. And even though he oh, kind oh. of slipped last year, he's still an incredible quarterback. Yeah, and last year was really weird because he had he dealt with COVID, and I mean that really got to that team. And I just to me, you know, it's funny. It's like everyone's like, well, he has the weapons, he just doesn't use them. I'm like, it's the way Greg Roman calls his offense. Like if you really look, Lamar Jackson throws majestic passes. It just doesn't, you know, he does. First off, people don't want to back off the narrative. He's a running back. They can't get over that meme yet. Second, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson has a very unconventional throwing motion. And so people don't like that. And Lamar Jackson is a running quarterback. So they just assume that he can't throw and, also, they assume Lamar Jackson can throw on the run, but not in the pocket, which is 
really polar opposite. He is a pocket passer. And how much easier that can run it is to throw with your feet set? Uh, it's it's crazy to me though the way like the the standard he is held to. Patrick Mahomes, honestly, and I love him. They were both my QB ones in the respected draft. But but here's the thing: Patrick Mahomes threw them out of that game against the Ravens. They had a ten point lead. You know why do you throw? Uh, and the Chargers why are you ever throwing well, that pass? <laughs> why are you throwing a no look pass when you have nobody in front of you? And very easily that pass could have been caught and not picked off by Asante Samuel if your receiver knew you were going to throw to him. I get that uh, it looks cool, but football isn't about looking cool. It's about winning. And exactly, I feel like Patrick Mahomes has bought into his own hype a little bit because uh, I'm going to use some rude language here. I do apologize. Every single analyst in the league is sucking his dick so hard. I like... Why? Like, I get that he had that electric first year and he makes some great throws. But, like, he's not infallible. He does still have to adhere to the laws of gravity. Physics still affect him in a normal way. But people act like he's this crazy, incredible quarterback to which no one in his equal, no one is his equal. When you've got guys like Lamar Jackson who are more athletic than Patrick Mahomes, you've got guys like Josh Allen who now he's fix the issues with mechanics is a better passer of the ball. So it, it's, it's, it just annoys me so much no, that he's it. put on this pedestal and he can do no wrong. He throws two howling interceptions that <laughs> no quarterback in this league should be throwing if they're expected to be a starter. And still the media is like, yeah, but, but he threw that pick without looking. That's incredible. That's amazing. It, it's just crazy to me. No, I, I hear you. I mean, that's kind of how I felt, you know, with Cam Newton. You know, it's like, I don't know what it is, but I mean, he hasn't been good since Age of Ultron came out in theaters. So I don't know why we're <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I, I mean, I, I'm just at this point, you know, it's like quarterbacks like that. It's like, oh, my Lord. You know, I used to think Dak Prescott was overrated. And then I actually, you know, really went through, watched the film and was like, not only is he not overrated, and I mistook it for, oh, well, he's on the Cowboys. So, of course, he's going to get like put up on a pedestal. He's underrated, you know, and there's a lot of quarterbacks like that because do you know how that happens when you're constantly talking about Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes? Everyone else gets underrated. I mean, Russell Wilson is leading the league in pass um, passer rating right now. He's the only one ahead of Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. No one is talking about Russell Wilson because, well, one, Seattle is not that good. I said that they would be not that good. They're one and two. Uh, but two, you know, Russell Wilson, like he gets, you know, gets into the mo- like when they're winning games, you hear about it. But when they don't, they don't give him credit. But it's like if Patrick Mahomes loses the game or if Tom Brady loses the game, they're still talking about Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes more than the other quarterback. The most talked about moment of the most recent Super Bowl was Patrick Mahomes throwing a dart while his feet were off the ground. How how is that the biggest takeaway from that game? Tom, they didn't put a touchdown up and people are like, look at that, threw a ball without his feet on the ground. Fantastic. Yeah, he's got a big arm. His his dad's a baseball player. That's what he did growing up. I don't know why you're then congratulating him when he looked. I get it. By the way, that was my biggest issue in the Super Bowl. Uh, Rams and Patriots. Everyone was like, like that that game was fun. It was entertaining. It was a defensive battle. Um, 
Tom Brady didn't dominate the game. And then he throws that one, you know, I mean, it's beautiful. It was a great throw to Gronkowski. Yeah. He throws a beautiful throw to Gronkowski that ended up being the game winner in a sense. But it's like, that's all anyone talks about. Oh, Brady, the way he was able to rally his team back. Rally? They, it was tied, like, the whole game. I mean, there, there was, like, no scoring. He wasn't that good. Like, Stephon I, I just, Gilmore, you know. realistically, did more in that game. And it, it, it shows that Tom Brady was not good that game when Julian Edelman is getting MVP. Now, I don't think Julian Edelman's a bad player. I think he's probably one of the best postseason receivers of all time. But the fact that people still focused on how great Brady was when it was guys like Stefan Gilmore, Gronkowski, Edelman, and Dante yeah, Hightower who were making all the plays all game. And uh, Van Noy. I mean, I think Van Noy honestly could have, you know, one player. Oh, I'm the game. so happy I mean, he's, he's back. Just, he was so, so good. And and I realized like, like I liked him at BYU. Um, didn't really like him on the Lions. Went to the Patriots and they had like a role for him. They had a set role, more disciplined. And then they had him rushing the passer like exclusively against the Rams. And it was just golf could not get like, cause he's fast enough to chase down golf. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like he really, he was giving him hell. And I, I definitely, you know, it, it's that respect, you know, you can tell he was a good, he's a good player. And top of that, Danny Shelton, you know, really settling in the middle of that defense. And, you know, in that game, it's, they had a lot of good players. I mean, that's the crazy thing sides. about the Patriots and that, you know, the do your job motto. That's literally where it comes from. We'll, we'll take a guy who wasn't necessarily performing the best at his former team, a guy with a lot of potential like a Stefan Gilmore or a Kyle Van Noy will say, Hey, we can turn you into a fucking pro bowler. Come over here. We're not going to pay you much. We probably won't extend you if you play so well that you deserve a big contract, but We'll, we'll get your name out there. Um, just actually, as we're talking about the Patriots, everyone's heard the story of how I became a Patriots fan, but that's something I need to ask you. You are on the East Coast. How did you become an LA Rams fan? Well, it's really just a matter of liking the same teams as my father. It's that simple. Okay. Um, my dad grew up on, in Irvine, California, and his next-door neighbor was Jim Youngblood, not Jack. The, the Hall of Famer, but Jim, who was a very good football player, wore number 53 and played inside linebacker. Um, Jim was the reason. So my dad didn't really know. I mean, he was young, so he didn't really know that much. And that kind of got him into it. Then after that, you know, he got he got sent back here. I don't know why my grandfather moved him freshman year of high school. He moved him from SoCal and brought him back to upstate New York. But That's I wouldn't tough. exist if he didn't do that. So uh, I'm glad he did that, I guess. Uh, sorry, Dad. <laughs> and um, this is a question I always ask as well. High, you, you like highest moment as a Rams fan and lowest moment as a Rams fan. You can give these in any order. Well, the highest moment is when they hired Sean McVay. Because I, I knew what they were getting. That was my handpicked guy. I just felt like. Like, the, I, I want to say, you know, when they won the Super Bowl, right? But I just feel like that's so cliche. And to be honest with you, I was like three or four years old. Yeah. So, you know, when they hired Sean McVay, I remember exactly where I was. I was at my full-time job. I was at my office. And, uh, you know, I got the alert. And pretend I didn't get the alert because, obviously, I, you know, I'm not supposed to be on my phone the whole day at work. 
And uh, my boss came over and he's like, the Rams got your guy, Sean McVay. And I was like, yes. And I already like knew a little bit. And I was just like, oh my God, I was so happy. And that was before then, you know, for ages, they go out and get Robert Woods and, uh, you know, they get Andrew Whitworth. And I'm like, oh man, this is, this is different. You know, if you're getting Andrew Whitworth over there, if, if you have his, you know, if, if you have his respect, this is this guy, I was right about this guy. This guy's real. I just, you know, I watched a couple of, um, you know, obviously Sean McVay like looks the part, right? Young coach and everything. I watched his offense, liked his offense, obviously, but I really, I watched his, um, his pressers and I was like, this guy has just accountability that no one else wants in this league. And it's like, it's constant. So, well, I got to do a better job of putting Kirk in position. You know, we're in the red zone here. It's a third and five and, you know, probably not the best run a jet motion because it, you know, it takes away. I'm like, like he's just picking out all these different plays. And I'm like, all right, this guy's special. Okay. And they're going to, and I, I said this, I'm like, Washington is going to make the mistake of keeping Jay Gruden. And he's, they're going to end up missing out on keeping Sean McVay. And he's going to be the difference between them going to the next level and, you know, being, you know, a top team and being just okay. And so sure enough, I was right. You know, he goes to the Rams, turns around Jerry Goff and the Rams four and 12. They turns that into 11 and five next year. They're in the Super Bowl. You know, hasn't had a losing record. I mean, people like to joke about 2019. Oh, he didn't make the playoffs. I'm like, yeah, but you, first off, your team is the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan has made the playoffs once. And secondly, furthermore, uh, Sean McVay would have made the playoffs in this current format. Notice how they didn't do this until it hurt, it would help the Rams. Like they, they didn't do it until, it. you know, it's like, why didn't you do, do it that year? You know, that was the year to do it. Yeah, that was a that was a competitive playoff race. You had the Vikings, you had the Rams. I mean, damn, why didn't you do it then? I just still bitter about that because I knew exactly when they announced that that seven team thing. I'm like, that'll never end up helping the Rams again because uh, the Rams are never going to be the seventh team. That was one of those weird years, you know. It just, oh man, but yeah. The, getting Sean McVay was the the highlight, and then the low light. Well, and I I could also say that making the field goal, sending the Rams to Super Bowl, that's also fair too. But the low light I will say is you're watching one in fifteen Rams, and I watched every single Rams game during the the same old sorry ass Rams era. That's what we called them, so sorry. Um, and uh, you know I remember watching Kyle Bowler and AJ Feely and those guys and. I think the biggest one was the year right before the Rams got Sam Bradford because it was like, it was so demoralizing going one in 15 and having like Kellen Clemens or whoever was as your quarterback. And it's just like, and then that year they were bad anyway. And they, they get, you know, Jason Smith and you're like, oh, dear God, because I didn't think Jason Smith was a good prospect at all. So, you know, it, it's it was upsetting. Uh, 2009 game, Jason Smith. And then 2010, you get Sam Bradford, who I liked, but you know, I liked Ndamukong Sue a little bit more. Oh, yeah, very and much. It's so. just, you know, it's like, man, I don't know. I think the lowest moment would probably be that or. No, you know, I think the lowest moment would be when Jeff Fisher's Rams got eviscerated at home against the Atlanta Falcons. There was no business losing to them like the way they did. I mean, they because that was the last time. That was the last time a lot of those guys would suit up for the Rams. And 
know, that was like the end of an era, so to speak. And I just kind of felt like he just didn't give a crap. And, you know, he got yeah, fired. Jeff Fisher and... is so bad. Yeah. He has no business ever coaching a team in the NFL. I don't know how. It's how like he weird. Managed that. Part of me actually feels bad because I feel like he's like, he's a nice dude. And then I also, I get caught up in the whole all for all or nothing. I don't know if you saw that whole thing where he's saying goodbye on a plane with his dog. I'm like, dude, that, that broke my heart. Like when he got (laughs) fired and he stayed there and he literally was waving goodbye to his team. Like, cause that's not what I'm doing. If I get fired, I'm not throwing up the middle finger or anything like that. I'm just leaving. Like you're dead to me. I'm gone. I'm moving on. Yeah. See you later. You know, he's sitting there with his cute dog waving goodbye to his team. I, I'm not going to lie. That that hit me. I mean, his son was still on the team, too. So, you know, I. Uh, was it tough when the team was in St. Louis? I mean, it was, you know, it was definitely tough. Um, it, it was it was tough to watch those teams because you had, you know, a superstar and Steven Jackson who won't even be in the Hall of Fame because of how freaking bad they were. He was, by the way, he was uh, beast mode before Marshawn oh, Lynch. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the thing I just laugh at. Seattle fans call him beast mode. And, you know, I mean, he is called that. And I, Marshawn Lynch was really good. But Marshawn Lynch is just a guy that, you know, he was on. Well, first off, they made the playoffs at seven and nine. Okay. The Rams didn't even make the playoffs. And, you know, they're the worst team to ever make the playoffs. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, Steven Jackson watching him go up against nine, 10 guys in the box. And then just hearing how like, Oh, well, you know, Marshawn Lynch broke eight tackles against the saints in the playoffs. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, that play isn't Lynch... as big as it is without that stiff arm as well. Just for yeah. the record that exactly. that is why the play is so huge. We see it with Derek Henry. He'll snap off a fairly pedestrian nine yard run, but because he sends Josh Gordon to the, sh- not Josh Gordon, Josh Norman to the shadow realm midway through the play. It's suddenly the biggest highlight on TV. You're right. I mean, that's, that's how it is. Um, I do. Do you remember Cam Akers in the playoffs last year? You know, when uh, rather this calendar year, um, you know, was it uh, Zadarius Smith, who is a monster and he stiff arms him. He just face washes him. I'm like, man, that was that was a big boy play. You well, know, Harris last week. No, not many oh, yeah. people were talking about probably the most ridiculous run of the season so far. The fact that he just yeah. had guys draped over him like they were trying to stop him going through airport security and he just found the end zone. Yeah, oh, I know. Well, it's kind of like the Kyron Williams run for Notre Dame. You know, everyone's just pointing. Well, Ky- Kyron Williams is horrible this week against Wisconsin. It's like, well, OK, but last week, you know, you're not allowed to have a bad game if you're a, uh, a draft prospect. NFL in, and college football, especially as a what have you done for me lately yes. sort, of, sort of situation like like Russell Wilson last year. MVP front runner almost the entire season looked bad in the last few weeks. And people like he's washed. He's done for. He's terrible. Like, what? Uh, have you watched it, it, the it first was... half of this season? It was let Russ cook, and then they started letting him cook, and then they realized, all right, well, we need to have some semblance of a, you know, a balanced offense. And then, you know, everyone's like, see, Russell Wilson isn't that good. They're now running the football. It's like, no, they're running the football because they literally have to run the football. You have to keep a defense honest. Otherwise, they just realize what you're going to do the whole game. They're going to stop that. 
You could take yeah. anything away as a defense. Anything. They have good running backs, despite the numbers they put up. Seattle oh, well, Chris Carson running backs. Chris Carson is a top 12 running back in football. Uh, the rest don't matter. It's really a Chris Carson show. Uh, just a matter of how many carries he's going to get. You know, when people, you know, in stardom sit him and people are like, should I bench Carson? I'm like, talent wise, no, never. But I mean, you just don't know. Is he going to get eight carries? Is he going to get 20? You just, you don't know. So yeah, that's the biggest issue with him. But well, I won't take up too much more of your time because I appreciate that you have to go record in about half an hour. But thank you very much uh, for doing me today, Jake. Uh, if you want to give out your socials uh, and plug your show and everything, they can find you on JK Bogan on Twitter. Am I correct? You are correct. And, and where can they find you on other platforms? Well, uh, Twitter, I have two. So I have my personal and I have downtown Rams. So it's just at downtown Rams. Um, and then they can find me, uh, my name, Jake Ellen Bogan. You just type that in YouTube or you put probably Jake Rams or something like that. And I'll come up. And so, uh, right now I'm on my way to 7,000 subscribers on there. Would appreciate a sub if you could. Notifications I, on too. Yes. And, and basically at this point, it's, it's an 85% Rams channel. Um, you know, it's Rams season, so it's going to look pretty, you know, full of Rams content, but I'm, you know, trying to break into the fantasy football realm, putting those are, uh, not art. Well, some of those articles on downtown Rams, but on top of putting videos out and then, um, you know, I wasn't able to get into it this season, but I've been doing, I've been covering the MCU TV shows on, uh, Disney plus. So I covered Loki on that channel. I covered, um, you know, Falcon Winter Soldier. I gave my thoughts on WandaVision at the end of the series. Um, you know, it, it's like I really wanted to do that. That's fun for me. It just absolutely kills the algorithm because I just don't get as much views on those. But yeah, it's hard still to love be a variety it. channel on YouTube nowadays. Very hard. Very hard, especially when you look at like I think the other day at the the um algorithm, it was like, you know, looking at the analytics, it was like 80.5% of my viewers are recommended by YouTube. I'm like, Oh my Lord. So that's how, you know, you're growing. So it's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. It means you're doing something right that the algorithms kind of put in you in there, which is always good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, from me, this has been Kieran's corner. You can find me on Twitter at himbo F 10 Y. And then you can find the rest of the guys over at the full 10 yards team at full 10 yards. You can join me for our UK fans, 6 a.m. every single Monday morning, I have the Sky Sports primetime wrap-ups as we actually talked yesterday about the Rams game. Uh, and then you can find me uh, on the College Football Podcast, which is dropping tomorrow, I think. And then you can find my top 10 draft prospects, uh, quarterback draft prospects article, which will be out this Friday. Thank you very much for joining me, Jake. And thank you to all the fans who tune in on audio every single week and we'll see you in the next one. Kick it and go. Kick it and kick it and go. Hey,